right, guys, what's up? Today we are here and we are going to be talking about running. So a lot of people struggle with running and it's one of those things that is obviously extremely functional that we need to be able to do for our everyday life. And so I want to talk a little bit about some of the good and some of the bad that are associated with running, how we can improve at it, and then also what friendships plans are this summer for us to actually start attacking it. Now, for those of you guys following along the podcasts, I'm about 60 hours into my fast, so only about 12 hours to go. So if I sound different or not with it or whatever else, uh, you guys can let me know, but I feel pretty good. I'll do a uh, brief write-up and discussion on that when I actually finish, and I appreciate everybody's support in kind of asking me about it and helping me along the way. All right, so running, let's get into the good first. Running is an excellent way, and I would probably argue the best way to build our VO2 max and some of our cardiovascular endurance. And the reason why is it's a repetitive motion that we are kind of designed to be really good at. And we're born with that. And we really can, honestly, when we're kids, we can run kind of forever. If you guys ever watch kids play, they just go and go and go. And they don't really seem to have a shutoff switch for running. And if we train that and we really work on that ability from a young age, it's something that we can sustain. And that's why it's amazing if you actually think about it. There's not many animals on this planet that can go for... 26 miles, 100 miles, some of these marathons and ultra marathons that these guys do, and they really are running for the entire way. When you go to the high end of human performance and you watch what the like world class Olympic marathoners, what they are capable of doing, it's amazing. It's truly astounding. And I think one of the most impressive feats of humans because there's not a lot of animals that could go and do that. So it's a unique human trait and something that we can excel at. But the things underlying us being good at running are kind of, you know, three different things. One, it's our cardiovascular endurance and really what our lungs will allow us to continue to get oxygen down into the muscles and continue us in that repetitive motion. Secondly, it's the muscle strength, so your actual ability to drive into the ground and have that speed. Uh, The more leg power, the more fast twitch fibers you have and all those things, the faster and the better you're going to be at running. And then compiling those two, right, if you look at a sprinter versus a marathoner, uh, you know, they're going to be kind of the extreme opposites, so polar ends of that spectrum. And we want to kind of fit right in the middle there. We want to be kind of fast at sprinting and uh, have the ability to go for maybe five or ten miles, uh, but we don't want to maybe go on either extreme because that requires a little bit too much specialization. And then the second real reason that we really want to be good at running, and this is one of those things that I just kind of think about as why we really exercise, is because it's our most functional and foundational movement as a human, it's also going to be something that we end up having to rely on in times of distress, necessity, danger, whatever it might be, that is going to be one of those things that you're going to need to be able to do. And so that kind of age old adage of, you know, there's two guys, there's a bear in the woods and the one guy starts lacing his shoes up and the other guy looks at him and goes, dude, what are you doing? You can't outrun a bear. And he goes, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. 
And that's kind of the thought process when, you know, take it to a modern situation. Let's say, you know, you're in a movie theater or a crowded club or, you know, any of these, a concert, any of these situations where there's been an active shooter over the last few years and you need to get yourself into safety and away from danger while also not being a liability on the people that you came with or your loved ones. And that's kind of one of the extra things that I think about is obviously I have the ability to pick up and carry Maria for, if you guys were at back at the ranch a few years ago, about three miles if I need to, but obviously it would be significantly better for us in the speed of getting out of danger quickly if she could run by herself very quickly at my pace. Then we wouldn't need to wait or hang up or any of those other situations that's going to slow us down and decrease our chance of survival. And then that's one of those things that I think is a little bit extra for parents. And now, obviously, if I'm in a serious situation, let's say there's an active shooter and I've got to help the people around me, I'm going to look to help kids and children first and help their parents to come along with me. Because I understand that a lot of parents are not training at the capacity that we are, and they're not going to be able to pick up their kids and go, and that's going to slow them down and become a serious problem. But one of the things that we can think about if we are a capable parent is running with objects, right? So we're going to run with maybe start with a medicine ball, work your way up to some sandbags. And one of the things that we did a few years ago was we went to uh, Star Fox's firehouse and ran with their dummy. And he's about 200 pounds, and that's a whole different ball game of getting used to that. And obviously, I've done a little bit of that in the Army. But that's a whole like next level of being able to move yourself with a purpose. And what it does to your heart rate and just being trained for that is a whole different level, a whole different situation. But if we think about the fact that we would really do anything for our kids, for our loved ones... One of the biggest things that I think is simple that we can do is just be generally prepared for situations to happen. And it might not be something as serious as an active shooter, right? It might be a really bad thunderstorm or a tornado and maybe you're you know, out at the Memorial Golf Tournament and lightning starts to strike and you want to get out of there as quickly as you can. You don't want to be slowed down by having to you know, walk and you know, carry your five-year-old or six-year-old, you want to be able to move and, you know, get out of that dangerous situation as quickly as you can. And so that's really our second situation for why running is important. Now, from a training aspect, obviously the cardiovascular one, I think, is one of the ones that most people utilize it for. It's simple. It's cheap. You can pop outside and do it at any time. You don't need really any equipment. You can do it barefoot. So you don't even need shoes uh, for all the people who say like, oh, yeah, you need a good you know, $250 pair of running shoes that's custom fit to your foot. Yeah, well, you know, that's nice, that's luxurious, but a lot of times the foam and some of those, um, you know, insoles and the different things that those custom running shoes are going to give you might actually really hurt your mechanics, which we'll get into when we start talking the bad. So you don't really need any equipment. And then the back end of that for CrossFit is just making sure that you understand the purpose of functional exercise and being prepared to utilize our body in the capacity that it's meant to. All right, now let's get into some of the bad. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of bad associated with running that started back in the day when people started to 
think that calories in and calories out were really important and that you could out-exercise a bad diet and all of these other broken thoughts that people kind of still to this day cling on to, which makes me like pull my hair out and rack my brain. And so they think that, okay, yeah, I'm going to go jog, and if I go jog, I'm going to be skinny. But that's broken thought in so many different ways. And then a lot of times, if you start to go too far down that path, you're actually going to make yourself fatter by continuing to run. And that maybe can be something that I get into in a different podcast. But, But what this turned into for a lot of people was starting to jog more. And then people started to find that, oh, man, well, I can only jog and I can only be skinny or stay skinny in the summer months. And if we've got six months of winter, well, I need an option there. And boom, treadmills were made. Well, then all of a sudden people were running a ton and running year round. They started to find out that they injured themselves and the injury rates were like 85% for knees and backs when it came to running. And then all of a sudden, boom, now we've got ellipticals and now you can run without the impact of running. And now we've got these shoe inserts and these gigantic foam oriented shoes that soften the blow. Well, guess what? Those are going to make your knees hurt. And so we've kind of gone in this ridiculous path from a runner's world of trying to put band-aids on all of these issues that surround running and the thoughts behind running. And it's kind of been a broken thought process, uh, you know, world for a couple of decades now. If we compound that then with the fact that runners generally don't appreciate other runners based on the speed or the efficiency with which they run, but rather they gauge each other on how many miles they ran and how much time they spent. And it's really like this crazy world. And I think it's probably just Americans and it's just us in our, oh yeah, you know, I worked a hundred hours this week and I didn't sleep at all and I haven't eaten a meal. And it's like that thought process taken to exercise and In reality, when people start saying that, it's like, I just sort of feel bad for you. It's like you didn't need to run 40 miles this week. You know, you're you're wasting your time. And in their head, they kind of look at you like, what do you mean? Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. It's a lot like newer CrossFitters who want to be competitive and they find some online program that they're not ready for yet. And they just start doing workout after workout after workout. And you look at them and you go, you know, that's not really what you should be doing. You should really be working on the mechanics and doing fundamental workouts. And they're like, yeah, well, like, what do you know? And it's like, okay. (laughs) And you just kind of have to laugh at them because you know it's just going to be a matter of time before they get burned out or they get injured. And the next time you see that person, they will have quit running or quit CrossFit or they'll be down with some, you know, knee injury and be making excuses about why they can't run 40 miles this week and they're going to be like ashamed to tell you that. So I think that's the first real issue inside of running is runners get a little bit obsessed with running, which isn't necessarily a problem provided that they are doing things with an intelligent training plan and an intelligent purpose and intention with their training just like anything else and they're not overdoing it or over obsessing with the miles they run and the damage that they do to their body rather they are more recovery focused and purpose focused and they actually are going out and trying to improve their times and improve their efficiency and improve their mechanics not just increase their mileage The second big issue with running is people think that 
there is no form, no skill, and nothing that they need to work on from a mechanics standpoint. And this is probably the biggest underlying issue that faces the running world and why injuries are such a prevalent thing inside the running world. And I think the reason why is because it's such a simple task and it's something that we start when we're young doing. And so if you take the snatch and I tell you to try a snatch first day, it's going to be really, really obvious to you that you need to work on the skill and the mechanics and that's going to take time. And if you're older, you maybe have messed your body up a little bit and you have some mobility issues and the snatch is able to bring that to light. Well, the problem with running is you have the exact same mobility issues, right? And those are going to stop you and hurt you and make you bleed and drain energy much more quickly than you should, just as much as they do in the snatch, but you don't see it because your whole life you have probably been setting yourself up with those running mechanics just a little bit. And then as you started sitting, when you go back out to run, it maybe doesn't feel great, but you don't necessarily recognize how much damage you're doing to your body, to your joints. So a lot of times what people need to fix these imbalances, if we think about the fact that running is mostly two unilateral movements, right? So if you have one hip imbalance or one ankle that's really tight, that's going to cause you to start to lean and start to drop more heavily on one foot or maybe not be able to drive off of one leg better. And so the other leg's going to get overworked and you can start to have all these imbalance issues that start to come to light and it shows up in the form of, you know, knee tendonitis, hip pain, back pain. And people just think of that as, oh, I ran too much. I overdid it. And yes, they are overuse injuries, but a lot of times they're overuse injuries because you have these imbalance issues. And the only way that you're going to fix those imbalance issues is typically going to be through some degree of strength training. And so a really high quality running program that's designed for you is going to look at your anatomy and the way that you run your tightnesses and your strength issues and it's going to aim to attack those with a couple of days a week of strength training and so typically a good running program is going to be you running two maybe three days a week if you have really good mechanics and recovery protocols and then the other two to three days a week you're going to be doing some degree of strength training and fixing your imbalances and working on your mechanics from a skill standpoint. If you're doing that, you're gonna find that you can train longer, train harder with higher intensity, and recover better between workouts because you're gonna be actively building your body up and not constantly breaking your body down. So that's an important thing to think about. And it's important to think about with CrossFit just as much as it is with running or any other training protocol. You have to understand how to build your body back up from whatever damage you've done to it. And if we don't understand that, then we're gonna be on this fast track to injuring ourselves. So that's one of the things that I want to start kind of diving into and looking into with the friendship running program is this is where I'm going to shift my focus after the squat program. Now that we're wrapping that up, which during that I started to recommend some strength training that was unilateral, some weakness building, right? So fixing imbalances. Simultaneously, we had some recovery and some mobility protocols. And those were things that we built in to help fix some of the issues surrounding injury during a squat program. I hope to do the same with the running work. 
Now, it'll be a little bit more difficult because seeing that stuff when you're running, especially in fast motion, is a lot more difficult than you staying stationary and letting me watch you squat for you know, 10, 20, 30 reps in a row. And then during your set and breaks in between, I can sit and talk to you about your mechanic problems and how to fix those. As opposed to running, the best case, it's like we have these intervals and you just finished a sprint 1000 meter and you're gonna take a minute off and you're huffing and puffing, you're dying, your lungs are burning, your legs are burning, and I'm gonna sit there and start talking to you about stretching out your gait, that's gonna start to be a little bit hard for you to actually follow through on, listen on, and make that change immediately. But through going through proper warm-up protocols and doing some simple running drills and exercises before and after we do our running work, we hope to be able to see some low-hanging fruit with that unilateral leg movement and those imbalances, but also maybe in your gait and trying to help you pinpoint what it is that maybe stops you from being a great runner. And I'll give you a common example here. A common example is people who maybe don't have the best strength to weight ratio through their legs and through some of their pressing and driving muscles. Their hip muscles aren't powerful enough to keep them churning at a sprint pace for a long period of time. So they fall into this sort of trot, right? And it's like kind of like a walk, definitely not like what you would consider to be running, and they do that for an extended period of time. And whenever we go through one mile tests or 800 meter tests, they find themselves in this kind of extended trot. And for those people, it's typically very hard to get past, you know, a nine minute mile or so or get underneath that nine minute mile. And simply doing more running for those people is not ever going to help them get past that. What we need to do is start to work on them actually running for extended periods of time and getting their body used to being into that longer stride and actually stressing the muscles that are going to push and press and pull them into those bigger, longer, more powerful strides. And at first it's going to be super taxing. It's gonna be really, really tiring for those people and it's gonna be difficult. But what we would do is sprint and walk intervals. And basically all we're gonna do is, let's say we're gonna focus on one mile or two miles and we're gonna sprint as hard and as long as we can with big strides and we're really gonna push it and then you're gonna walk until you feel like you are recovered enough to do another sprint interval. And we're just gonna do that and keep that up until we complete our task. Let's say it was one mile. You might sprint for 50 meters and then walk for 150 meters and then sprint and then walk and then sprint and then walk and you would end up doing about eight intervals of that. And your time at first is probably gonna be relatively slow, slower than your mile time. But what we aim to do the next time is make it just a little bit further on our sprint portion and take it a little bit slower, or sorry, walk a little bit less on our walking intervals. So maybe the next time we do it, we sprint 70 meters and we walk 100 meters. And so now we might sneak into that. We have to do nine intervals of that to make our mile up. And when we do that, because we're doing more sprinting during that interval or during that mile, we're going to go faster. And as we start to get better and better and better at this, we can continue to stretch those sprint intervals longer and longer. And we can start to decrease the time that we're walking because we're gonna be recovering more quickly when we start to practice that way. And eventually what you can get to is you're sprinting for maybe 
200 meters and you're walking for 50. And when you start to do that, now all of a sudden you're going to start to beat your mile time doing this sprint and walk. And I've tested this for years. This is something that I started doing with some of my soldiers who are doing the two mile test in the army. And all they had to do was beat 18 minutes. And now this is 20 year old infantry males who should not be struggling to run under nine minute miles. These guys should be fit, right? But for anybody who's spent some time in the military, you know that there's probably about 20% of people in your unit at any given time who are going to be failing the running portion of the PT test. And I'm sure that that's just continuing to go up as people are becoming less and less fit coming into the military. And so this was my protocol, and this is what I started testing for some of my soldiers who are failing the run. And inevitably, this would get them to passing the run within two to three weeks. And I would actually have them do sprint and walk while they were doing their PT test. And so they were actually running their two-mile PT tests in this capacity, and it worked really, really well for people. So for some of you guys who are struggling with running, when you guys are doing your workouts and you're thinking about that, if you're not going to join us for some of the run club stuff just due to time constraints and other things like that, what I want you to think about is maybe change up the way that you guys think about your running and let's say it's an 800 meter. Don't be afraid to try something new and maybe stretch yourself into a little bit longer stride knowing that you're probably going to have to walk a little bit of that run. Sometimes just going slow and saying, well, I ran the whole thing, that can be a victory, but it maybe didn't get you closer to your goal of being able to actually go quickly and improve your time. For those of you guys who are interested in joining me for a running club and kind of looking into that, what I'm looking at doing is probably going to be something in the afternoon on Tuesdays, and the location will be to be determined. On days when the weather's not looking good, we are probably going to go at Friendship and probably do some running gait training, some unilateral fixes, and some extended cardio pieces that kind of get at both of those things. And then on Sundays, we're going to be going to the track at Thomas Worthington High School, and we're going to be doing that in the morning. And those are going to be our days that are maybe a little bit more serious, and we're going to be running off of a very specific pace. We're going to be doing very specific work to rest intervals and ratios, and we're also going to be testing things like a 5K. And we're going to be doing it on a track so that we know that we are very legitimate with both our times and our pacing. On certain Tuesdays, and maybe we would have to find a different day for this, we're not quite sure yet, but on specific Tuesdays, we're going to try to get into some things where we get outside the gym. So we maybe go to an Antrim, or we find a trail, and we maybe travel a little bit for that, and we set meetup points for us to get off of that running on pavement all the time, and running straight away all the time, and maybe get ourselves into a little bit more real-world scenarios. Because this is going to be something where Ryan and Ellie and myself, and we've all talked about it, and this is going to be something that we're probably going to be actively involved in doing and participating in, because it's something that I enjoy getting better at, this isn't necessarily going to be, always at least, it's not always going to be a coached class. This is going to be something where the coaches will probably be participating with you, and hopefully you know, leading by example to show you guys how you can hit your intervals and how you can hit your pacing and give you guys some people to follow. Really because of the trail running and not always being on a track, 
it gets pretty hard to coach this, right? If you guys go off on a trail run and you're five miles into the woods, I can't do a lot to coach you unless I'm running right beside you, turned sideways and looking at your mechanics the whole way. And even then, it's not going to have a lot of use. Uh, the track stuff, we can do a little bit of coaching. And so I'm not going to say that this is always going to be uncoached, but uh, often it will be. And so this is going to just be something that we do as an add-on that's for free and hopefully just gives an opportunity for people to come in who want to really just get better and improve their running. And we're going to do test ins, we're going to do test outs, and if you guys want to go and get a VO2 max done before you start so you can actually see some like scientific data and some changes from your body's insides, and you guys can think about how that will then carry over inside of you know your CrossFit and some of your more day-to-day -day life in terms of cardiovascular stamina, lung power, and some of those other things that are really important to us. So our hope is to get this started on June 5th, which will be the second week of June, and start to go for probably about six to eight weeks in the middle of the summer here. And obviously we have some travel and some different things going on in those times with the CrossFit games and some of that stuff coming up. So we're going to do our best to make sure that we stay really consistent with it. But at the very least, we will start posting workouts and sending workouts via Instagram and some of those different things. So you guys do have something to do, even if a coach can't be present for that specific day and time. So a really good week track for you if you guys do want to take on this running at maximum capacity would be to come in and do Monday CrossFit and think about if you guys have good volume, you could do Tuesday CrossFit maybe in the morning and then in the evening time you could do running club and then I would probably take Wednesday off for recovery. I would do Thursday, Friday CrossFit. I would take Saturday off for recovery and I would come and do the Sunday work at the track. That's going to get us our five days a week with two solid recovery days. And it will ensure that we're maximizing our running capabilities while not doing it at a detriment of the strength training and some of the things that can build up the legs and build our mechanics and strength back up and not let ourselves get too beat down by constantly running and burning calories and doing all these things without the ability to recover and replenish both the joints and ligaments from that training. So recovery becomes very, very important as you guys will start taking this on. And you need to make sure that you're communicating with a coach if you do start the running program and you do start to feel like you break down specifically in the knees, hips, ankles, feet, and back. So hopefully guys, that sheds a little bit of light on maybe some of the good and bad things that are going on inside the running world. And maybe just the little action item that you can have is just fixing your train of thought towards how you think about running or how you talk about running, your running specifically, and then how you actually go out and implement some changes to start improving your running. And then if you guys are interested in that running club, I'm going to start taking some names down and some emails to sign up for that. And you guys will basically just be signing up for the emails. And we'll send those emails out at the beginning of the week. So probably Sunday for the following Sunday's work. And then, uh, and then you guys can start diving into that as soon as we get started as a group. Mm -hmm.